Welcome back to Real Faith Conversations, and in this show, we try to talk about life, culture, and faith in the most genuine way possible. My name is Ryan Morris, and I'm here with Father Santi, a visiting priest from Los Angeles, California, who is here to promote missions at St. Peter. Today, we are going to dive into who he is, what he does, and the impact on the world he has as a missionary priest. I've read his bio, and he's pretty stellar. Father Santi was born in Italy and is an Italian priest who belonged to the Congregation of Rogationists. He studied philosophy and theology in Rome and holds a Ph.D. in social communication. Pretty impressive, right? He worked as a vocational promoter and formator of seminarians in Italy. He is in charge of fundraising for missions in the Philippines, Mexico, India, and Africa. And he is currently the mission director and works in the Rogate Center in California. Welcome, Father Santi. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here in Real Faith uh, Conversations, right? Yeah, that's our podcast, Real Faith Conversations. I'm, it's a pleasure to have you here. Well, um, you know, always Providence brings us uh, where, where, he, where she wants. And so, well, I take this chance well, uh, to give my testimony, my simple testimony of my vocation, first of all, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's a lot to cover today um, in this short 40-minute podcast, but I guess we should start with why are you here at St. Peter in the first place? Well, it happens just because, you know, the Conference of the Bishops of the United States, they allow the missionary congregations to apply for preaching for missions. And so um, uh, we are here just like, you know, I've been in uh, several dioceses of the United States before here. Mm-hmm. I was this year or do you travel? This year, wow. this summer, I was already in twice in New Jersey. Oh, wow. And in Texas and in Wisconsin. And uh, I'm, I'm going to go again in Texas. And why? Well, we, we preach for the missions in order to get support. And I have to say that a lot of people is so willing, you know, to support uh, missions and actually that is the only way sometimes to to give a, a real support a support that can really make a difference you know well uh, it's also the chance you know to to announce the gospel of course to sharing the word the word of God and um, well above all to to share the charism of the rogationist which is the rogat it's a Latin word which means uh, pray. It's Jesus mm. saying, pray the Lord of the harvest to send workers mm-hmm. into his harvest. So the Rogation's fathers, we pray for vocation and we try to be good workers, you know, in the harvest of the Lord. Above all, the that they have communities where they live in the poor areas because our father founder, who was uh, Saint Hannibal, Mm. St. Hannibal was an Italian priest. He died in 1927. And when he became a priest, he asked the bishop to leave his apartment and to live in the neighborhood with the poor. Wow. And so he shared their life. And that is what Rogationists do. You know, we live in the poor areas in order to share the life with the the poor. This is something that uh, happens... um, uh, like, for example, in, in the Philippines. The Philippines, uh, you know, in Manila, there are the squatters areas. Mm. Our fathers, they have a community in that place, you know. 
together with the poor to support them. It's what they call Saint Hannibal Empowerment Center, not mm-hmm. just to feed people, but to help them, you know, wow. to get back their lives, you know. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. And how did you sort of feel called to be a regationist father and a priest in that in that order? Right? Is it an order? Yeah. yeah. It, again, uh, providence. Yeah. Totally providence. I, I I never planned that. Yeah. Uh, but I only felt since the beginning, since when, when I was a child, that I was supposed to be part of something bigger than a family. Yeah. Uh, I always had that idea, you know, wow. that in time it would happen, that I would join, you know, a bigger group mm-hmm. for a mission. And, uh, well, it, it, it didn't take long because I was only 12 Mm-hmm. when uh, I had the chance to have an experience, a simple experience, a summer experience with the Rogationist Fathers in Messina. We, are, we were in Sicily. I come from Sicily. I was born in Palermo. Mm. And I always lived in Messina. It's the city where there is the strait that connects with the, with the, the rest of Italy, right? Mm. And, uh, well, after that summer camp, I decided to go in the seminary, and the first day that I entered the seminary, I said, this is my place. I never looked back. <laughs> wow. And so, what, how old were you there at, when you were doing that? So I was 12, and now I'm 46. Wow, you were 12 years old. I was 12 years old. That's when so, you discerned. Yeah, when I was wow. 12, uh, practically, yes, I was in uh, the seventh grade, well, in the, in the Italian school. And then after two years, I was supposed to go to the high school, let us say. Mm-hmm. But uh, the high school was uh, in another seminary that was in Rome. So from Sicily to Rome, it takes eight, hour, oh, eight yeah. hours of train. Wow. You know? <laughs> so I just went to my parents and I said, I'm leaving. You know, I want to go. And they always supported me. They always saw in... You know, in my vocation, something true, you know. Mm. So they never doubted. Also because there was something before. So when I was born, you know, I was, um, was the, I was, uh, I am the youngest, I am the third, I mean, the third of four brothers, of four brothers, three brothers and one sister. And so when I was born, my my mother, well, she actually, she wanted a girl. <laughs> and so, you know, they, they are people of faith. So she was praying and uh, she felt inside of her heart these words, this son is not for you. And it was so clear for her, but she never told me before. Wow. Until when I, um, when I decided to become a priest. So she told me, you know, wow. that she had that kind of a prophecy. And then, you know, when, uh, when in time I entered the seminary, above all, when I was 14, so I went to Rome to start there. Uh, the, the, still a minor seminary, you know, but uh, that was a big seminary. We were 50. And, you know, I remember that, uh, you know, the, 
that year, that was 1989, that year from day one to the last day of the year, the school year in the seminary, that year I was always happy, but happy, you know, happy, happy every day, you know, wow. happy, happy, happy. I, I I never had a year like that before, but that was, you know, the first year in the big seminary in Rome, and, and that was, yes, actually what gave me the certainty, you know, that that was really the, the right way for me. And then, of course, yes, after five years there, then you have uh, to do the novitiate. And the novitiate is the big step, you know, the first big step, because after the novitiate, you take the vows. Mm. I belong to a religious congregation. So as religious, we take vows. Vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience, and the charism of Rogat. And we have a vow mm -hmm. uh, to pray for vocations also, you know. And so I went to the novitiate. And yes, also the novitiate was one of the happiest years of my life. Imagine the novitiate like an entire year of spiritual retreat, you know. So every day, imagine in the novitiate, the minimum is six hours of prayers, you know. So beside the, the community prayers, then you have your personal prayer. Wow. Uh, yes, I remember spending a lot of time, you know, in prayer. And that was, you know, the time of peace that everybody's looking for after all, you know. Everybody yeah. looks for a happiness. Yeah. Uh, my happiness is so close. <laughs> and sometimes people don't realize that all they need to do is sit with the Lord, you know, in prayer yes. the, and listen. Yes. Yeah. And you know that you don't need anything else but that, you know, yeah. like Mary, you know, Mary, the, the sister of Lazarus, the sister of Martha, she was in front of Jesus and she did not even pay attention to what was needed in the house because she was totally immersed in the eyes of Jesus, you know. That is an experience that everyone can do, uh, but uh, but we don't do uh, because many times we, we get ourselves busy in other in other things, and we we forget what is really essential, right? Yeah. So then uh, that was the novitiate. So at the end of the novitiate, that was September 8, uh, 1995. I got my vows. At the beginning, you take your temporary vows. So you renew them mm -hmm. every year. And then after six years, I, I had the chance to pronounce my solemn vows, which are the perpetual vows. Wow. That took six years. Yeah. Well, the rule in the religious congregation is um, that you can have your perpetual vows after a minimum of three years of temporary vows up to the maximum of nine. Hmm. After you renew for nine times, then you have to choose. If you want to still be a religious or you, or you want to go home. Uh, but usually, you know, the sixth year is considered the, the normal, you know, for everybody, the normality. Hmm. And so I, it was the year 2001. And, you know, that, that is something special, I have to say, because the perpetual vows are those vows where you need to prostrate yourself, mm -hmm. you know? So we were, the three of us, you know, 
uh, I was with my two classmates, Claudio, Father Claudio now, and Father Alessandro. And so we were in Messina there, and uh, we we were prostrating there, you know, in front of the altar while everybody was singing the litany before pronouncing the, the perpetual vows. And somebody told me, somebody had told me before, <laughs> that, you know, in those moments, you can ask anything you want to the Lord, and He will grant that to you. I had that chance for three times to prostrate myself. Because it, it, it's the time that you are giving something to the Lord, you know? So it's the yeah. moment that the Lord gives to you. It's like Solomon, no? Solomon, in the moment that he starts being a king, and he doesn't ask for the, for the death of his enemy or for richness or for a long life. He's only asking for wisdom. And then God answers and he grants for him everything, you know? Wisdom and all that he didn't ask. So it's, it's a moment like that. Yeah. So I had three times that chance. One was for the perpetual vows. And I'm going to say what I asked for. <laughs> and then, for of course, when I became a deacon in 2003. And then when I became a priest. Mm -hmm. So in those three occasions, you prostrate yourself, you know, for a consecration. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the first time, I was thinking, I was already there, prostrated. I didn't know what to ask. <laughs> and then I thought, uh, okay, I'm going to, th this is going to be forever, you know. Be because we, we are not forced yeah. to, to, to stay consecrated, you know. Even if you have perpetual vows, you can still ask, you know, to stop it, you know. There, there are who do so so it's it's really out of your free will free mm -hmm. choice yeah it's continuously that way you know you, you can really leave and get married you know when you have those vows so those people who are religious and they stay religious is because they want mm -hmm. you know for a lifetime so I decided this is going to be forever so I ask for uh, uh, perseverance. As the gift of perseverance. Wow. And I have to say that until then, I never had a big test about that. You know, I never had the temptation to leave. Not really, I mean. Uh, but then it happened that I pronounced the perpetual vows and I asked uh, that grace of perseverance. And then after a few months, I had the biggest test in my life about that. So I realized, looking back, I realized that actually it was not me asking for a grace, but it was the Lord inspiring me what I most needed. Mm. Because of what, what was about to happen. Yeah, wow. <laughs> and yeah, so yeah, many times I thought that uh, without that, that grace, I wouldn't, uh, probably, it would be more difficult, at least for me, you know, yeah. to survive. But, well, the, 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 the vocation of everybody is a matter of surviving, you know, many tests. Just, also, just like being married to someone. Yeah. It's not always happy times, you know. Yeah, There's a lot of challenges. Of course. Yeah. of course, there are challenges, and it's totally okay. Yeah, it's what is meant to be. It's part of it. 
it's part of it. So you, you need to pass through the test because the test is necessary. Without the test, you're not the same. Yeah. You change for better when you pass through it. You know, it's like Abraham, you know, who, who is uh, undergoing the test that God wants for him, wants to sacrifice his son, his only son, Isaac. Mm-hmm. And God already knows that he will that he will do that. Mm-hmm. That he will go through and he will be able to say yes to the Lord until you know, the sacrifice of his son. But who doesn't know is Abraham himself. So until Abraham doesn't go through that test, he's not our father in faith. He becomes. Yeah. When he goes on top of that mountain and uh, he is able to say yes to the Lord, even in the toughest of the things, of the test, of the situations that uh, he, he could possibly go through. Yeah. He, he probably, it would be easier probably for him to kill himself yeah. than kill That's his That's true. You know? It was, a, it was a hard test for him. Yeah. It, it was the hardest and when he came down from that mountain, uh, he became, you know, our father in, in, in faith, yes. And so out of the faith of Abraham, we also have our faith in God. Yeah. Wow. So our faith needs to be tested. And uh, so, yeah, I can say that that was one of the tests, one of the biggest, I guess, and uh, and then you know the, the same thing it happened uh, later on. Then of course after the novitiate I went to the major seminary. So I started my study. So it was uh, philosophy at the beginning. So we moved to Rome because, well, I have to say the high school was in Rome. The novitiate was back in Sicily in Messina because there is where the mother house the rogationist mm-hmm. is where the body of Saint Hannibal is also. And so we have the novitiate there. And then for, for studying philosophy, we went back to Rome again. And I studied all my studies to the Pontificial University of the Salesians. Mm-hmm. And, um, and there, yes, I had the chance to do, first of all, two years of philosophy. Then what is... Um, uh, what is necessary for the formation of someone who wants to become a priest is a practical training. Mm. So I had my practical training in uh, as as an educator, you know, with kids, with abandoned kids, with orphans, and that was first in Naples and then back in Messina. Then after that year, I went back again in Rome for theology. So I studied theology there. Those were amazing years, you know, because it, the life that you have in a seminary is beautiful. It's really beautiful. You, know? you are together with boys of your age, you know, and, and everybody, you know, well, we share. We share the same faith, uh, the same goal, you know. So there is a lot of collaboration. A lot of friends. Everybody's your friend. Mm-hmm. So we were, well, 50 in the, in the minor seminary, and there we were like 30, 35. 
and who was studying philosophy, who was studying theology, who was already in the specialization. But they were all great, you know. Every everybody had something to give. I remember some. Uh, I did not. I did not know English at that time, so I asked someone. <laughs> there was somebody from the Philippines, actually, one of our priests, and I asked, "Will you teach me English?" And they took their time, you know, their their time after dinner, you know, one hour every day. I I started studying real English, you know, because. Uh, the English that you study in the Italian school is not really working. Yeah. I mean, it's good to know some rules, but the pronunciation is totally Italian. You know? Wow, so it was basically at the dinner table where you learned English. Yeah, also. Wow, your English yeah. is really good, so that's amazing. It wasn't because, in a uh, formal setting. I had uh, the chance to study with them. Uh, of course, they, they were mother tongue teachers, yeah. you know. Not professional teachers, but still mother tongue, you know. Yeah. So I started learning. And then, well, I had a lot, you know, of uh, study uh, with uh, other teachers, professional teachers. Uh, even I did the Cambridge. I had uh, FCE, uh, you know, FCCAE, uh, you know, all the Cambridge exams, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did that also because, you know, in time while I was studying communication, it was needed, you know, a good knowledge of English. In fact, you know, as a thesis, as a PhD thesis, as a doctorate thesis, I I, I wrote a thesis on C.S. Lewis. Hmm. So I went to Oxford, and I studied there. I studied there in the Borderline Library, you know, with the permission of the university. I was able to enter in the Borderline Library and to have access to the original manuscripts. Wow. Well, it was a couple of summers, you know, that I spent there. It was a really nice time. Beautiful. Uh, the, the experience of study that I had there it was really unbelievable. Because, you know, in Oxford, uh, summertime is the time when uh, the teacher, you know, university teacher, of course, uh, they spend their time to write books. Because mm-hmm. they cannot do that during the year, you know, because they teach, of course. Mm-hmm. So they have more time during summer. And so I realized that, you know, early in the morning, like at nine, I entered the Borderline Library. I took my books, my pile of books. <laughs> and I sat on my desk together with what? With Between students and teachers in that room, there were like 20 people. There were many rooms, of course, but in the room where I was, there were like 20 people. And in the aisle where we were, there were like 10, you know? Mm. And it was nice that at at 9 a.m. in the morning, I was looking at them, and they were all there starting their study. And that night at 7 p.m., they were all still there. (laughs) All day. Amazing. And well, I was there too. Yeah, you were I, one was of supposed, them. <laughs> I was supposed to st- to write my thesis, so yeah. I needed time, you know, in order to do that. And then, you know, when you immerse yourself in the books, you don't want to go out anymore. Yeah. Because you lose concentration, you lose many things. So you want to write what you read uh, immediately, and, and that is what what you what, what uh, give you, you know, what makes you fast, you know, mm-hmm. in writing. And so at night, when we 
when we were standing up, you know, there was a second that we looked at each other. It was like a glance, you know, a glance of satisfaction, you know, for being there, you know, the entire day, starting. Yeah. Wow. That, that, that thing, you know, I never had before. I never had later. That was uh, really uh, amazing. That's well, awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. And so that was uh, my experience at the university. Well, I have to say that after that, I was supposed to to teach at the university. I already I had started already teaching, uh, uh, well, Christian literature. Oh wow! Which university? Yeah. Salesian University okay. in Rome. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I had already a couple of semesters there teaching, wow. and then they moved me. <laughs> uh, well, you know, we have we have the vow of obedience, you know. Yeah. And then, um, well, I I had just become a priest. I didn't regret that. Well, I, I knew that that was a big chance, you know, to stay there teaching in Rome at the university, Pontificia University, you know. But they moved me to be a formator in a, in a, in a seminary, in a minor seminary. So, so to be me, the formator of other, other, mm. other boys, other boys, just like I was before. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't regret that. I, I enjoyed that because uh, I knew that was something that I could do because I had a nice experience, a beautiful experience of, of what a seminary is or can mm -hmm. be. Yeah. And so uh, together with two more priests, that is what we did. Wow. And so we had 10 years, 10 amazing years. 10 years there. 10 wow. years with teenagers. I had boys like myself, you know, 12, 13 years old, 14 years old, uh, getting in the seminary, you know, with, with this dream of becoming a priest, you know. Well, of course, some of them, it was only a dream and then they left. Yeah. But a few, you know, and that was our job, you know, to do the discernment with them, to help them to do their discernment. And, you know, one of them is becoming a priest now in September 25th. Wow. And I'm going there to, to join. In Rome? Uh, in Messina. Okay. Because the seminary was in Messina. I left Rome. If it was in, in Rome, I was I would have been able to teach. Yeah, that's right. That's but true. But I could. I yeah. had to leave that. And, um, you know, this 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 boy, you know, now is, uh, is a deacon. His father Salvatore is his name now. He's a young, a young deacon. He's about to become priest. You know, when he wanted to enter the seminary, but uh, his mother didn't want. Mm. And that is very common, you know, it can happen. And so she came to talk to me, and, uh, and well, she was really opposing that. Because, uh, well, it was very difficult for her to separate from, uh, from her child. And I said, look, Santina, Santina is her name. I said, look, uh, let's do this. Why don't you allow your son to come here for one month? You know, after one month, uh, you talk to him and you, you will be able to see if it is really worth it. Because maybe he will change his mind. Mm -hmm. Because inst instead of having your son unhappy at home, if you give him a month, maybe he will realize that he's not is both, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, that was pretty convincing for her. So she allowed him to be a month with us, you know, and 
and he never stopped being with us. So all the time that she that she sees me, <laughs> and it will happen again now in September, <laughs> and she always comes and she tells me, for the Santi, when is this month to <laughs> the finish? The never-ending month. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it was really... And then, you know, that she, then in time she told me why she didn't want to give up, you know, her, her, her son. Because that son was um, the twin of another brother who died. Mm. And uh, he died, you know, right when, when she delivered them, you know. And so, uh, well, she said... That was the reason why I didn't want to separate from him. But I also know why God won him for, for himself. Because she, she revealed. Because when the little brother died, I promised to God that he, if, he were, if he allowed him to survive, I would offer him you know, for, for the Lord. Wow. That's what she promised. And then she said, I hope that God had forgotten that. But, <laughs> but he didn't. <laughs> wow. That's yes. deep. That's, that was really deep. Yeah. So that, that's why, you know, that experience was also very nice. Yeah. And then uh, after 10 years of that experience, they put me in totally another field. Because this is what happens when you are religious, you know. You keep on changing. <laughs> yeah, you go where they tell you. Uh, so for four years, I was a treasurer. Mm. I, I, have this, I have this idea, I'm pretty convinced about it, that when God wants to punish you, it will make <laughs> you a treasurer. <laughs> a treasurer. <laughs> yes. And so that was what happened for me for four years. It was a big, you know, big task uh, because I was not the treasurer of one house was the treasure of the entire province, the Italian province, you know, of the south of Italy. Wow. So the derogationists in Italy, they have a, a big congregation. So there are, there are many priests. And, uh, well, it was a task of responsibility. And then, thank God, that was for only for four years. <laughs> and then after that, uh, I had the chance to come here because... Since I knew pretty well uh, or well enough English and also Spanish, because I always was into languages, I like to study and to travel. So uh, the Italian priest, rogationist from California, they always asked me, will you come to Cava for me while I take my vacation to Italy? Because we have four parishes in California. And so I entered in this turnover, you know, to call yeah. for priests. So, so starting from 2004, almost every year, I was able to come here mm. in the States to stay here. In California, right? In California, yeah. three weeks, four weeks, you know, And this every is before summer. you were traveling all over, right? Yeah. yeah, so I had the chance to come here to, to deepen my language, my languages, Spanish and English. And then, in time, you know, after coming here several times, when I finished my mandate as a treasurer, mm -hmm. they uh, they asked me if I wanted to 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 come here in the states, and that's why I'm here. That's awesome. 
And part of your role now is to go to these other countries, right? You know, like the Philippines, India, Africa, right? Uh, and countries in Africa. Can you describe some of your experiences there um, with your ro- existing role now? Yeah, uh, in, in California, I work for the St. Anthony Charity Center, which is a center for fundraising for the missions. So that's why I am, I am in contact yeah. with Africa, with India, with Mexico, mm-hmm. with the Philippines. And we fund, uh, you know, charity projects yeah. you know, there. And so that's why I am also the mission director in the United States of Derogationists. So myself and six more priests, we go during summertime all over the, the diocese in order for, for preaching to collect funds for the missions. Just in the summertime? Just in the summertime, okay. yes. And then besides that, you know, the the study and communication came back also. So mm. As you see, nothing is by chance and the providence always is organizing things. I had the chance to work. I'm working, you know. It has been for one year already for a Spanish television, El Sembrador. Wow. Uh, Nueva Evangelización. Yeah. In Los Angeles, which is a big television. Oh, they broadcast in the States, uh, or in Latin America, of course, uh, DirecTV, you know, Dish Latino, you know. Yeah, maybe it, we can link it in the description. Absolutely. This so that they can if check you it go out. look at El Sembrador, you will find it. Esna is the, uh, is the, the name of the, t- the, the television. And they have also radio. And practically, you know, after a while, you know, they knew that I had, you know, that kind of uh, background. Yeah. Uh, practically, you know, I, I have a program there, a program for vocational discernment. So all my experience came back together in one thing. <laughs> so a program in vocational discernment. It's all like the stepping week. stones. Of yeah. Putting it all together. Yeah, it's a mosaic. It's, it's amazing. And, uh, and it's so nice, you know, because they're very professional. Yeah. Uh, yeah, of course, you know, I needed, you know, some time, a couple of weeks in order to also to learn how to read in the talent prompter, you yeah. know, because I studied those things, but I never did really, you know. Yeah. But, well, it, it, it takes a while, but uh, then, you, of course, you learn. And it's so nice, you know. So every week, you know, I prepare a program on, on, a, on a theme uh, about uh, vocational discernment. And we broadcast, of course, in the television and YouTube and Facebook and yeah. everything, yes. Wow. Yeah, that is amazing. (laughs) That's so cool. And in a homily here, um, when you were on Sunday, or maybe Saturday and Sunday, you you said this, you were like, before the Lord's Prayer, our Father, um, you said, you know, take this literally, like, give us this day our daily bread is really literal. Like here, we have a lot of luxuries, you said, you know, and we, we have our daily bread and more (laughs) here. But there's areas that you visited, and I, I've actually visited some as well, where, you know, give us this daily bread, right, is literally, like, please give us this daily bread. Um, how, how does that sort of sit with you when you sort of visit these areas and in places that are in need? And, I mean, you've done a lot of great work um, in your past. What is your message for people maybe listening that's, possibly pondering like how can they contribute to that in some way well i as you saw it's just enough to say what you what you saw the experience that i had in africa 
all unbelievable. Yeah. Well, one of those, uh, when we arrived, that was I was together with another priest. We left from Italy, Istanbul, and then we arrived in Kigali, in Rwanda. Mm-hmm. We didn't eat for the entire for the entire trip. We didn't have food. Well, only the food that they can give in the airplane, but was really little. Then we arrived there. It was night. We slept. The following day, it was Ash Wednesday. Mm. So no food again. <laughs> then the third day, you know, you know, after two days of fasting, you're a little bit better, you know, because the first day is the tough day. So we ate something, but they had really little food. Mm. And I said, uh, wow, this is what you eat here. And the father there said, father, this is because you are here. Because mm-hmm. there are guests. So we are eating a little bit more. Oh, wow. <laughs> but usually, yeah, yeah because what, they re- what they eat is really less, much less than what we have. Yeah. And here we have multiple choices, you know, mm-hmm. always when you eat. Yeah. And that is, is, is inconceivable to have multiple choices. Everybody eats the same thing, and it's one thing. Yeah. And you eat that. Yeah. And that's all. <laughs> that's right. That's right, yeah. That's Africa, where you eat every day. And a lot of people, they don't. Yes. Yeah, it's not about being picky. It's about just eating something. And really what sticks to me, because I've actually visited Zambia recently, this summer, and someone there told me, you know, God provides everything we need. Everything else is extra. You know, and it's so true, right? You know, you could be eating the same thing every day, but you know what? That's what's provided. Everything else, like candy, sweets, you know, choices of food is, is just extra, right? It's the sustaining life. Um, and it really puts it in perspective as to like, wow, like what am I worried about right now? In the United States, we're worried about technology, iPhones, iWatches, you yes. know, Apple Watches, all this stuff we have. And, you know, um, someone who was with me had their um, Apple Watch uh, and it fell. You know, and I probably told this story before, but it fell and shattered. And they're Zambian, you know, they, but they came to the U.S. And I was like, wow, you're not worried about this? And you have an Apple Watch, too. Uh, of course. <laughs> um, they're like, nah, you know, I, look around you. You know, this really means nothing in the grand scheme of things. And it was just a really, it hit me, right? It made me check myself as to what, it, what really matters in my own life. And I'm sure you've had moments like that over yeah. there as well. But yeah, yeah you really see, there are people also, you know, our fathers there. Yeah. They enjoy the essential life because really we have things that we don't need. And sometimes, you know, the superfluous that we have mm-hmm. is, is what makes us sick, you know, also with food, you know. Yeah. We are sick because we eat too much. Yeah. This is inconceivable in Africa where everybody is skinny, you mm-hmm. know. Well, you can be fat also, you know. But uh, usually average people yeah. that work and they do hard work, you know, they, 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 they don't face, you know, all a series of diseases that we have here in the rich countries. Yeah, that's so true. Well, Father Sansi, thank you so much for sitting down with me here today. I'm sure you have a lot more to share. But in this show, that's all we can get to today. But, you know, 
on the show, we always ask, you know, new people to come on. I mean, you're new as well. Uh, and you don't, you, you do a, a radio show and a TV show. So this is all natural to you. This is probably <laughs> low scale compared to what you're used to, but I really appreciate you coming on. If you guys want to come on, you're listening out there, email media at stpeterchurch.net. That is media at stpeterchurch.net. And you can be like Father Santi and come on and enjoy a conversation on real faith conversations. So thank you again. We'll see everybody next time. Thank you. Thank you, Ryan. Hmm, 40 minutes. Exactly.